Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month with no additional costs or fees. You heard that right, guys. No additional fees. Literally hundreds of events for $39 a month. For instance, over the next few weeks, you could hit up Nuggets vs. Jazz, which, by the way, is shaping up to be a real showdown on Saturday night. Nuggets could come back to Pepsi Center 7-1. and one. Beer flights at Prost Brewing, Avalanche vs. Predators, CU vs. Washington State, countless comedy shows at Comedy Works. Guys, there's literally something for everyone. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that Inwego can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We've partnered with Inwego to give BSN listeners a great deal. So here's what it is. If you go to inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it, and I know you're going to fall in love with it like we all did. So again, go to inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. As always, the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Wednesday night edition of the show, another post-game BSN Nuggets podcast, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Boy, do we have a game to talk about this evening. The Nuggets eke out the win 108-107 over the Chicago Bulls. I mean, this game really had everything. A lot to get to from this game, of course. We'll talk about Nicole Jokic's play, Jamal Murray as well, Paul Millsap getting the tip in. He also had a couple really impressive stops on the defensive end, mainly at the end of regulation that even forced this game to go to overtime. Talk about the Nuggets' lack of three-point shooting, another game where they struggled from beyond the arc. But to set us up, let's go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline and hear from Chris in Denver. Hey, it's Chris in Denver. Uh, pretty thrilling win for the Nuggets. You know, it's good to see Paul Millsap put together back-to-back good games. And a uh, tougher game against Cleveland coming up than I think a lot of people think realize. I don't really want to complain, you know, now that they're 6-1, and one, but, you know, I, I, I just see too many problems. You know, the offense doesn't look like it's cooking. Jokic looks lethargic. You know, the three-point three shooting is abysmal. This is a three-point shooting league. That's one of the things that you have to be able to do well. The spacing is off. The half-court game is brutal. Jamal Murray looks broken. And, you know, I know, I know we're missing Will Barton, but this is supposed to be the easy part of the schedule. That's what we said all off season is that, you know, they're going to have to win big in the first half of the season. They're going to have to go into the, the last month with a several-game lead. 
Otherwise, they're going to miss the playoffs. Um, you know, the sun is shining, and now is the time for them to make hay. Uh, you know, I understand Malone doesn't want to make any changes because, you know, they're 6-1 and one now, but pretty soon these ugly wins turn into heartbreaking and frustrating losses. And for me, it's obvious there's a problem. Why should we wait to solve it until they start losing, until they're 500? You know, God forbid they fall that far before Barton comes back. But I don't know. I'm curious your thoughts. What do you think about these issues? What do you think the solution is? Is there something really wrong with Jamal Murray or is he just hurt? Is there something wrong with the game plan or are they just struggling without Barton? Or is that just who this team is, a team that takes a while to get involved? Um, I know there's a lot of other teams that are struggling. You know, the Raptors just got blown out by the Bucks without Giannis, but this team doesn't have an established star. Jokic is good of a player as he is, he's not a Westbrook. He's not a Harden. He's not a LeBron. He's not a Kawhi. He could easily be that good, but he's yet to prove that he's in that class. Um, curious your thoughts? As always, keep up the great work. Love the show. You guys are killing it over at BSN Denver. And go Nuggets. Thanks for the question, Chris. And I want to remind you guys, if you do have questions for the show, don't hesitate to hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. 1-800-BSN-8394 is the number to call. If you've never called before, you're a new listener to the show, we want to hear from you. All it is is an answering machine, so you leave your name and leave where you're calling from. Leave a quick message, or maybe it's a Nuggets take or a take about the NBA. We'll play it on the show, and we'll give you our reaction. It's the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394, 1-800-BSN-8394. Chris had a lot to say there. But my man, Chris, buddy, step away from the ledge, man. Nuggets are 6-1. and one. I know there's a lot of things to pick apart from this game and from these last couple of games. Nuggets have not been able to shoot the ball from three. Nikola Jokic, he hasn't looked that aggressive in these past couple of games as he did early on in the season in Denver's first two or three matchups. Jamal Murray has been inconsistent. He hasn't been terribly efficient on the offensive end. He's been a little disappointing out of the gate, but man, step away from the ledge, my guy. The Nuggets are 6-1. and one. They just won a game over the Bulls on the road against a scrappy Bulls team in overtime, a game they probably would have had no shot of winning last year if the Bulls were staving that fourth quarter comeback and taking a six-point lead on the Nuggets with, what, just three or four minutes to go. If that happened last year, that Nuggets team probably would have folded. So I know there's a lot to pick apart from this game and from what we've seen from this team early on this season, but the Nuggets are 6-1. and one. They're off to their best start since 1985-1986. I don't think this is the game they would have won last year. So I know there's a lot of things that fans aren't exactly excited about right now, but I mean, 6-1 and one is 6-1. and one. Yeah, I mean, smile, be happy. They've gotten out to a good start. The Rainbow Skyline jerseys are coming back, we found out tonight. Yeah, let's talk about that, actually. <laughs> let's Let's begin with that, because... I, for one, am relieved the Rainbow Skyline jerseys or a modernized version of the Rainbow Skyline jerseys are out now, so I'm not going to have people filling up my mentions all day, every day about why the Nuggets haven't brought them back. They're back. I think they look great. I think the Nuggets hit it out of, their, hit it out of the park with these jerseys that they just released, um, so 
I'm pumped. I can't wait to see him November 13th, I believe, against the Rockets. What do you think of the jerseys? I mean, I think they're sweet. I don't think I saw one person who had a negative thing to say about them. Just universally loved almost instantly there. Yeah, no, it's a great look. It's going to be a huge seller. And it's funny because we've seen at Nuggets games that Mile High City jersey, that blue Mile High City alternate is clearly the most popular I don't think it's any contest. This one's clearly going to take the cake when it comes to what fans will want to buy. Uh, this Rainbow Skyline one uh, hits the nail on the head. Um, but back to the game. Yeah, a lot to chew on from Chris. I guess I want to start with Nicole Jokic and his up-and-down performance in this game because you know Jokic put up some impressive numbers 22 points 12 rebounds 9 assists he shot 9 for 20 from the field i did not think this was a very good game from nikola jokic though i know he he got going late but it was just poor effort from him for, from jump street in this one he was lollygagging back on defense a couple times after he couldn't get his shots to go i mean i, I i'm going to be honest i thought we were past the point of this with Jokic. I, I thought we we're past the point of even if he's not feeling his best in the offensive end, it's not going to affect his effort to this degree. And I think that was, you know, the number one reason why the Nuggets came out so, so flat and so bad in this game is because Jokic, it looked like he was just going, you know, half speed out there for, for a lot of the game. And that was surprising to me for sure. Not really based on what he's done you know, this season, he's had his highs, he's had his lows this season, like that 35-point game, the perfect triple-double obviously being one of the highs. You know, he still puts up 22-12-9, and nine, and people are killing him for his game tonight. But I was surprised he kind of came out a little lax because this game was in Chicago, and we know Nikola Jokic isn't one to get up for national TV games. He's not one to get up for playing against the Lakers in L.A. He's not going to get up for a rivalry game against the Timberwolves and Towns. I think what he will get up for is a game in Chicago where he's backed by a lot of Serbian followers, where there's a lot of Serbian flags out there in the crowd, where there's a lot of people yelling at him in his native language, talking to him in Serbia, in Serbian, sorry. We've seen him get up for those games in the past. So that was why I was surprised that he didn't come out aggressive from the start. And yeah, I guess we're not over that with Nicole Jokic. I guess that is a takeaway from the first seven games of this season. He can turn it on when he wants, but he's not going to be that guy every night still. He's still got to grow into that. But yeah, I was a little surprised he didn't come out aggressively because of the Serbian contingent he was playing in front of tonight but also because I thought he'd go at Wendell Carter, just like he went at DeAndre Ayton, just like I guess I thought he would have gone after Jaleel Okafor and Nikola Mirotic, but maybe I should have learned from watching that game against the Pelicans. It's not going to really be dependent on who he's matched up against, uh, equaling how aggressive he's going to come out. Yeah, he just looks so mopey in this game, and I mean, that just has effects up and down your roster if your best player is going to be like that. I mean, I think Wendell Carter Jr. 
he was really impressive in this game. He I looked think, great. I think he's got a bright, bright future ahead of him. He stonewalled Jokic in the post multiple times. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a great center for the way the game is going to be played, you know, today and in the future. But, yeah, man, I think Wendell Carter, you know, probably outplayed Jokic in the aggregate in this game. Um, where Jokic did get going um, later on in the game was when Denver got him the ball in the post. And yep. he just decided, like, I'm going to make my post moves. I'm going to get my shoulder into my guy and, and get my shots up. And, and I guess one of the questions I have is, and some of this is on Jokic, too, not just Michael Malone, but why isn't there more of a concerted effort to get Jokic the ball in the post early in the game? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure. Probably because he doesn't demand it. Like, if yeah. I'm sure some guys would demand the ball on the block very early on in the game. But, I mean, Jokic is a guy who, who we've talked about this before. He looks to get his teammates involved before looking for his own offense. He even looks uncomfortable at times being the all-encompassing number one option that we've seen him flourish in. Uh, he's more comfortable feeling his way into the game, being a facilitator first and then a scorer second. Um, so it's just the kind of person he is. Yeah, I mean, I think especially where the Nuggets are at right now, they're, they're just struggling in the offensive end. You'd really want to see Jokic just say, all right, everybody get on my back from the beginning of the game. And even if he's not shooting the ball, just getting those post touches, I think generates great shots for Denver elsewhere. Well, it does, yeah. It does for sure. I mean, we know when he touches the ball, it's probably going to result in a good look, maybe a good look from three, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, those are those are great three-point shots when the ball gets worked into the paint and then out. Those are some of the best three-point shots you can generate, really. Yeah, so, I mean, Jokic, he got going, I felt like, a little bit in that fourth quarter, had two buckets there in the fourth, and then in overtime, he kind of took over, and what I wrote, Afterwards, he kind of gave the Serbian fans a show, really, for the first time all night. And he goes three or four in overtime for eight points. And, like, over that five-minute overtime stretch, that's the type of Nikola Jokic and Nuggets need to see show up throughout all four quarters. They can't wait until overtime against the Bulls team for you know, that type of guy to really come out. I mean, for me, I'm curious what you think of this. I feel like the Nuggets offense tonight, we've seen so many iterations of this Nuggets offense already this season. It hasn't flowed like it did last year. There's usually like a few points throughout the game, maybe a quarter, maybe a half when it does. But tonight just really felt like the Nuggets offense from one of the early games from 2017-2018 when they just had not figured things out yet. Um, or even from 2016, 2017, before December 15th. This really felt like uh, we we're watching a Nuggets offense that was two years old. Uh, just not the off-ball movement, not the pace. A everything looked clunky. So uh, this offense is still a work in progress for sure. Um, the defense, like we spoke about on Tuesday's show, it's still better than it was last year, but we can tell it's beginning to fall off. It's probably going to fall off all the way to a, a league average rate pretty soon. Um, but the offense, what this team was built around, what's made this team into what it is, 
it's just not there yet. And I don't know how many game more games is going to take for it to get there. Maybe hitting some threes would help. I certainly think it would. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's understandable for them to struggle a little bit without Will Barton. He's a really important piece for this team, but it doesn't make sense for them to struggle on the offensive end to this degree without him, in my opinion. They should still be a good offensive team, you know, Will Barton or no Will Barton. It was a minor miracle they won this game for Denver to go 7 for 26 on threes while Chicago shot 16 for 34 from three-point land. The Nuggets averaged 11.5 three-point makes per game last year through seven games this season, yet they've yet to make um, more than 11. So they've yet to even go over their average one time from last year. I... I, I I totally agree that this did look like a game from the early part of last year when Millsap and Jokic were kind of feeling each other out still. And one of the, the sequences that reminded me of you know the bad nuggets from last year was Antonio Blakeney just taking that ball coast to coast at the end of the third quarter and dunking it. That was like some 2017 Nuggets-ish right there. It's just the two-way player or the G League player getting their career high against the Nuggets. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that had to be really frustrating for Mike Malone. That's the thing about playing teams like Chicago, and I'm going to channel my inner Michael Malone here. If you let bad teams stick around, they're going to gain confidence and think that they can play with you into the second half, and suddenly you're going to look around late in the fourth quarter, and it's going to be a close game. I mean, how many times has Mike Malone said that over the past couple years when the Nuggets have lost to the Hawks and to the Suns? And again, this game was on the road. The Nuggets have really struggled on the road. For them to be 2-1 and one away from Pepsi Center right now through seven games, I think is impressive. And so there's still that component. But uh, yeah, the Nuggets are multiple classes above the Bulls in the NBA hierarchy. Like this is a Bulls team that was without two of its better players. It was without Lori Markinen, its best player, Chris Dunn as well. I mean, Jabari Parker, I don't even know what's going on there. I think he had two air balls tonight, Jabari Parker. Um, Zach Levine looked good. Cameron Payne, I'm not sure how he's still in the league anymore, to be quite <laughs> honest, let alone starting for <laughs> Chicago. Ryan Archidiacono, I mean, love the guy. Poor man's TJ McConnell. <laughs> Let's be honest. And uh, Ryan Archidiacono, he was a plus eight. He was, he, he had a big impact on this game. Um, but the Nuggets are in a whole different tier than Chicago. Like this game still, even though it was on the road, should not have been close. Yeah. Robin Lopez just didn't play in this game. The, the Bulls stink. Like they're the terrible. Bulls stink, and they're trying to stink. Yeah, they stink, man. And, and I guess they're coming off a game where they got embarrassed by the Golden State Warriors. Clay hit fourteen of those threes, so I guess they did give you know pretty close to their best effort tonight. But even so, I mean, this should not have been a struggle for the Nuggets. Oh man, <laughs> they would they would have felt terrible if Paul Millsap hadn't tipped that one in. Yes, indeed. Let's go ahead and take a break real quick. On the other side, we'll discuss that tip in some more observations from this game. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. Hey, BSN fans, your favorite Colorado sports network has partnered with your favorite Colorado beer, and we're giving them away for free. But in true BSN fashion, we're not letting you go to some major chain for it. We want you to go to your local neighborhood bar and support a real Colorado business. That's why we've created the bar page where any BSN subscriber can go in and get a free beer 
whenever they want. Just go to bsinbars.com and you can get one free Coors Banquet at any bar on that list. All you have to do is show the bartender the VIP image on that page in your browser and you can retrieve a free Coors Banquet beer at any of those bars. There are over 20 bars there. You're sure to find one close to you. It's bsinbars.com. Find a bar and get a free Coors Banquet on the house. Thanks for listening to the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Harrison Wynn, Christian Clark here, Wednesday edition of the show. If you guys have a question for the show, I want to remind you to hit up the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394. That's 1-800-BSN-8394. Leave a message, leave a take. We'll play it on the show just like we did with our buddy Chris at the top there. We ended last segment teasing Paul Millsap's tip-in. And my biggest takeaway from that play that saved this game and won this game for the Nuggets, well, let's actually say this before. The play that the Nuggets went to at the end of overtime to get Nicole Jokic the shot, which resulted in the Paul Millsap tip-in, much better play than whatever it was that they ran at the end of regulation where Nicole Jokic was trying to throw an alley-oop to Malik Beasley. Was that what was happening? I'm not going to lie. I kind of love that play. You like that play? I, li- I did like that play. And they almost pulled it off. Jokic just, Jokic, I mean, he threw the pass a little bit long. Beasley still still could have handled it. But I, I didn't mind that at all. I mean, I mean, no one could have predicted that they were going to try to go to Malik Beasley. Like, well, it was just sure. so crazy that it was like, and it was, it's not like it was a jumper. It was just a like a catch and a layup. Like, I can trust Malik Beasley with that. Well, it was a nice play, but it was a play that had a real high degree of difficulty. And I mean, like... A give and go? That's a tough play to make. To make that pass and to make that finish, there was no guarantee if he caught that he was going to be able to finish that ball. Oh, I mean, yeah, not a guarantee. But it was I a super it was a- high degree of difficulty on that play. And I mean, to put the ball and leave it up to Malik Beasley to make that play. I thought that was questionable. Like, I assumed that ball was going to be in Gary Harris's hands with how clutch he's been for Denver this season, how clutch he was for Denver last season. I don't know. I, how I, we've I, talked about on this podcast for hours and hours, how Gary's the guy we want the ball uh, in his hands at the end of a game and how great he's been as an ISO player for the past couple of years. I respected it. Just nobody. But you tur- nobody what if Chicago had hit a shot? What if Chicago had hit a shot on the other end with what two and whatever left? Then what, what we have been saying. What if Nikola Jokic had delivered that pass on target? Then it would have been a great play, and I would still say it was a really risky play. Beasley probably still could have handled it, too. I w- expected that ball to go to Gary Harris at the end of regulation or a play like we saw at the end of overtime when Nikola Jokic got like a 20-footer. Um, but yeah, Paul Millsap gets that tip in and another takeaway I had from that play was Paul Millsap's always in the right place at the right time on the defensive end. We've talked about how he's such a great help side defender, always coming over for charges or blocks or just being vertical at the rim. Here he was on the offensive end of the floor in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I mean, just goes to the uh, the backside where 
you know, most likely the rebound is going to be. Right. That was a, that was a pretty difficult tip in. It was. I mean, he got it. He had to get it with both hands. He, he was falling backwards. He wound up on his backside as the ball was going in. That was really, really impressive. Paul Millsap, um, pretty good game scoring the basketball as well. 19 points and 8 of 13 shooting. Really good game finishing inside. Uh, went 7 for 10 from the field, uh, 5 feet and in. That was kind of a concerning area of, of the game for Millsap, I think, in the early going. We all saw him get stuffed by the rim in that Lakers game. Millsap, these last two games, done a nice job scoring the ball. He's done a nice job finishing inside. His touch looks like it's back a little bit. So that's been really good to see. It has. Man, I'm still thinking about that play at the end of regulation. It just so, you. It has to be perfect execution for that alley-oop to work. Absolutely perfect execution. Like, you can't be off by a step. That pass has to be so on point. There's no room for error. Well, good thing you have, like, the best passing center that ever lived. Yeah, and he didn't make a good pass. <laughs> I'm fine. Like, just trusting him with the give-and-go pass. <laughs> okay, anyways, going back to Paul Millsap. 19.6 rebounds, his second game with at least 18 points. I feel like he's finding somewhat of a groove on the offensive end of the floor. It's funny because however bad he's been as an offensive player on the block this year, the Nuggets will still call tons of plays for him to get the ball on the block and to get the ball in the mid post ISOed. And over the past two games, he's scored the ball well from there. 6-12 against the Pelicans for 18 points, hit two threes. 8 of 13 against the Bulls for 19 points, hit a 3 as well. You can tell, and this was also evident in his post-game interview on Altitude, he's settling down a little bit. He's gaining some more confidence on his offense, in his offense. The weight's being lifted off of his shoulders. I feel like he felt some pressure early on this season when he just was not playing efficiently on offense and really just had no touch around the rim. I think he's a little more relaxed now. Well, he said he was thinking too much last week. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he admitted that, hey, maybe he was uh, in in his own head a little bit. Um, he definitely looks like he, he settled down. And you've been trumpeting the the Paul Millsap could, could be in the running for defensive player in the year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, we're only seven games in. It's, it's, it's very early, very early. I don't think that's crazy, though. I mean, Paul Millsap has been – incredibly valuable for, for this Nuggets team defensively. They have a 96 defensive rating when, when Millsap is on the floor. That's like the same as the Celtics who are the best defensive team in the NBA right now. I mean, Millsap is just so freaking good, man. I mean, every game he just has one or two plays where he comes out of nowhere for a weak side block. Um, he had three blocks in this game. Um, I mean, you, you can't say enough good things about the contributions he's making defensively. Well, the bad news is the Nuggets slipped to fourth in defensive rating after tonight's <laughs> game. And I think we were having this discussion at practice the other day. What would the Nuggets have to finish at in defensive rating for Paul Millsap to get defensive player of the year consideration? I think we settled on top five, maybe top three, like yeah. probably top five and home court advantage in the first round. Top five to have a real shot. Yeah. But they're there right now through seven games, still holding tight, fourth in the league in defense, 13th in the league on offense, a 7.3 net rating of the fifth best in the league behind Milwaukee 
Golden State, Toronto, and Portland. You know who else I thought played really well tonight was Mason Plumley, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Two blocks. I think he might have even had three. A steal. He was a minus three, but I felt like he played winning basketball. The Nuggets played winning basketball when he was on the floor. Six of seven from the field. Four reverse dunks, probably. Damn straight. He was a beast, I thought, in 20 minutes, a little more than he usually plays. Nuggets played nine guys. Wancho did not play tonight. Uh, so maybe that's a sign of things to come. Maybe the rotation is narrowing a tad. Malik Beasley played 31 minutes in back-to-back nights. This bench, though, especially on offense, still seems to be struggling. Michael Malone wants to leave Jamal Murray or Gary Harris out there with the bench unit at all times. I feel like typically it's Jamal Murray, and I don't know, that group just does hasn't really seemed to mesh really well. What do you think is up with the bench? Uh, I actually thought the bench was, you know, pretty decent overall in this game. Okay. Um, I mean, Mason Plumlee, like you said, w- was excellent. I, Mason Plumlee has been really good all year, I think. I was talking really just on the offensive end of the floor. Um, well, I mean, when they're out there with Murray... Murray's having trouble manufacturing offense right now. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he just he's needed 14 shots to average 16 points per game at, at this point in the season. I mean, he's not making his threes. You know, he he keeps trying that that step back three when a, a big gets switched onto him, which is fine. I mean, that's like kind of his go to move, but it really wasn't falling in this game. And maybe in, in certain instances, you know, I'd like I'd try to. I'd like to see him try to beat that big guy off the dribble a little bit more, at least if his shot isn't feeling great. But, I mean, I don't know. I thought the bench was okay overall. I didn't think they were that bad or anything like that. Um, just Murray's just kind of going through it on offense right now. Yeah, he is. He can't really find his shot. He was 0-4 from 3 tonight, still trying to hone his, in his three-point shot was 5 of 13 from the field, another not-so-efficient night from him. And um, he's taken difficult shots. That's something I'm seeing from Jamal Murray. He's not getting a ton of clean looks. And I think a portion of that is because, like we've talked about before, he sometimes has trouble shaking his defender off the dribble. And uh, another part of that is just this Nuggets offense. I think whether it's the starters or the bench isn't, operating at its peak level isn't the free-flowing offense that it was last year and so because of that really nobody on the Nuggets is getting a ton of wide open looks per se who else stood out to you in this game tonight I thought Torrey Craig played well especially on the glass three offensive rebounds Trey Lyles had an efficient night Monte Morris was pretty quiet I'd say I thought, um, you know, Gary was really good in the first half. He was right. pretty quiet after that. Uh, Gary's dunking the ball a lot this year. Uh, we saw him dunk over um, Felicio, Cristiano Felicio, and get a T for, for flexing and staring him down. What a weak-ass technical <laughs> foul, man. That was a really weak tech. Yeah. There was another one later in the game, wasn't there? Yeah. There's there's no way you should get a technical if you don't even say anything. If you if you're just giving a guy his distance and staring him down and flexing, that can that cannot be a, a technical under any circumstance. Um, but Gary, I mean, he's continued to look pretty good. 
he's dunking everything this year. That's mm-hmm. one thing I'm noticing. Um, he's already up to eight dunks this season, uh, more than a dunk per game pace. But Ooh, nice stat. He's just not messing around at all this year. Yeah, he's also going to that like two armed flex after dunks. I've seen him go to that a couple different times. Pretty good celebration because he's just strong as hell. <laughs> yeah. Gary's an incredible athlete. He told me at Summer League he definitely would have been a pro, or not at Summer League, at training camp. He definitely would have gone pro in football. He said he was actually better in football, and he chose to play basketball because, quote, you have to play football outside, and sometimes <laughs> it's cold outside. <laughs> that was also a good business decision from him, too. Yeah, and a good life decision. <laughs> Before we wrap up here on the BSN Nuggets podcast, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. You guys probably already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado at the best prices in Colorado, but now they're delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. If you download the Total Beverage app and use promo code BSN10, you're going to get $10 off your order. But for a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $20 off purchases of $100 or more on their website and app. You got to do it on the website or app. You also have to use the promo code SPOOKY, S-P-O-O-K-Y. And then you're going to save that $20 on that $100 order for all your Halloween parties and have it delivered to your door. So again, promo code SPOOKY to save $20 on a $100 order from Total Beverage on their website and app. Or you can use promo code BSN10 for $10 off your delivery order. Malik Beasley closed this game. He closed a second straight game. What does that tell you? What does that make you think about his um, prospects of potentially closing games in the future? Zach Levine really, you know, he had it going for the Bulls in this game. Um, he finished with 28 points, uh, 11 of 24 shooting. I thought Beasley, for the most part, did a, did a pretty good job of defending Levine. And I think Beasley is probably every bit the defender that, that Torrey Craig is. Um, I think he's right there with him. Um, and Torrey Craig was able to do some good things in this game. But, you know, with, with Beasley... Uh, there were still a couple of mental mistakes in this game. That the the things that you know Nuggets coaching staff really want him to stamp out. He had that that play where he was inbounding the ball and just threw it away. The Bulls got like a dunk out of it, and Michael Malone immediately called the timeout. So he's still learning, but I think he. I mean, it's pretty clear that he's a better player than he was last year. I'd agree. I do think he's a better player than he was at this point last year. Like, last year, he would just make too many mistakes if he was playing over 20 minutes a game. And he's still making mistakes. It just seems like he's cut down on them. But that turnover he had where he was throwing the ball inbounds and Zach Levine just picked it off, that was reminiscent of some of the turnovers he had, like going back to Summer League and and last year. He's got to cut those out of his game. But him closing for a second straight game was interesting. Part of it was probably the Nuggets looking for somebody to make a three-point shot, and he's got a better chance at making one than Torrey Craig. But the other part of it is probably just evidence of Michael Malone trusting him more to play him more 
late in games. And uh, it's definitely something to watch. Who do you expect to be the Nuggets' leading scorer against Cleveland? They have the back-to-back there in Cleveland against the Cavs Thursday. I'm going to name you the Cavs starting lineup, and then I want you to tell me who you think the Nuggets' leading scorer is going to be. Or you can take somebody off the Nuggets bench. But against the Hawks, who the Cavs just beat by 22 points, they started George Hill, Rodney Hood, Sam Decker, Chetty Osman, and Tristan Thompson. Who is going to lead the Nuggets in scoring against a starting lineup of George Hill, Rodney Hood, Sam Decker, Chetty Osman, Tristan Thompson? Well, I didn't even think Nikola Jokic played very well in this game, and, and he still led the Nuggets in scoring with 22. So, I mean, I, I guess I just got to guess him. Right. Going up against Tristan Thompson, I'd go Jokic too. That's that's where the safe money is. That's where the safe money was for who would lead this team in scoring this year. I do predict, though, that Paul Millsap will have another really solid game because he's probably going to be defended by Sam Decker. And I would definitely expect the Nuggets to call a lot of plays for Millsap. They'll probably give him the ball in the post on the first play of the game. I'd watch for that. I expect him to have another solid game, too. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we'll see if this Nuggets offense can get back on track against Cleveland. I would say I'm not terribly hopeful that this will be the game, second night of a back-to-back on a road trip um, against a Cavs team that might have a little rejuvenation, a little extra juice after firing Ty Lue. Sometimes that happens to teams occasionally when they let go of their head coach. Do you think Larry Drew will be there? <laughs> I don't like. I don't even know who's coaching this team. They've they've played a game. I wonder who coached. Yeah, uh, it's it's a weird saga. <laughs> Larry Drew, the lead of this Associated Press story from this Cavs Hawks game. The Cavaliers played unselfishly, aggressively, and together for the first time this season. They almost always do for Larry Drew. Okay. Yeah, the Nuggets need a uh, convincing road win. They were a terrible road team last year. One of the biggest reasons they didn't make the playoffs. Two pretty meh efforts so far. Lost against the Lakers and this squeak-it-out win over the Bulls. But then the season opener in L.A. against the Clippers, that's turning out to be a pretty impressive win. The Clippers look dangerous. They look pesky this year, for sure. You know, going back to the beginning of the show, I know Chris touched on the three-point shooting and how that hasn't been there for the Nuggets this year and, like, what's it going to take for them to get back on track from beyond the arc? I have no idea. I have zero idea why they're struggling to shoot threes right now. They're getting open looks. They're getting good quality shots. The advanced statistics show that. But sure enough, the Nuggets are 29th in the league in three-point shooting ahead of just the Oklahoma City Thunder who have like two capable three-point shooters on their whole roster. So, I mean, I I don't know. The Nuggets have tried practicing on the Pepsi Center main court to get acclimated more to a big arena and just the depth perception there rather than on their practice court. They've concentrated a lot on shooting and practices, but it just hasn't translated to games yet. I'm not sure what it will take. 
I'm sure some of this is just due to randomness and the Nuggets being unlucky, but I think some of it is due to we're just getting passive Jokic um, the last two games. Right, and the Nuggets get good open looks from three-point range when they go through Nikola Jokic in the post or on the elbows, and they've been doing that at least from what it seems earlier on this year a little bit less than a year ago. So we'll see. We'll see if the three-point drought is stopped in Cleveland Thursday night on this back-to-back. And then this is setting up, if the Nuggets can get this win against the Cavs, and I do think they'll win, it could be another game like this Chicago one. I really would not be surprised. And instead of Antonio Blakeney going off, um, it's going to be like David Nwaba. But (laughs) you like that one? But I do think they get this win, and I think this sets up for a Northwest Division showdown Saturday against the Utah Jazz that will feature the second-best team in the West, the Nuggets, in terms of their record against the Jazz, who I believe will be 5-3 and three at that time. That's going to be a huge early-season Northwest Division battle, and that's probably going to be the Nuggets' biggest test, biggest opportunity to make a statement. I thought that might come against New Orleans earlier this week, but without Anthony Davis, that didn't really come to fruition. So that Jazz game is one I'm really looking forward to. All right, and with that, we'll get out of here. Thanks for listening, guys. This was a fun one. We'll be back Thursday after the Cavs game for another post-game reaction pod. Talk with you guys then.